Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hello, hello. It's been a long week. I was on vacation. It's so good to see everyone. And hello from all around the world. Welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn more from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is a successful content creator with over 50,000 subscribers on YouTube and Twitter. Prior to crypto, he spent a lot of time creating helpful tutorials on YouTube, teaching others about all things tech, gaming, movies, and more. Over 12 million views on his YouTube videos later, he continues passionately researching and sharing all his findings with his followers. A true inspiration to anyone looking to build organic community It is a pleasure to learn today from the one and only Kev D. Welcome to the show, Kev. Thank you for having me. Uh, Absolutely amazing intro. Thank you. That's I I love the gutter cat intro. Amazing. I love it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we were able to roll out that new intro for the show (laughs) with you um, on stage and you're repping the gutter cat gang. Um, And so it's awesome to see. That's one one thing that kind of drew me to you at the beginning when I saw you in other spaces. I I always noticed that you had that gutter cat gang rep, and I was like, I need to learn more about this guy. So I'm so (laughs) glad to be able to learn more about you on the show today too man awesome excited let's let's not waste any time let's get straight to it so we always uh start the show by spending a minute or two having the guests just explain their journey into crypto what got you started a little backstory about your journey into the space whether you started investing before nfts into actual coins or if uh the nft world was kind of what got you hooked if you could just spend a couple minutes explaining your your journey Yeah, so basically, um, around a year and a half ago, a buddy of mine got me into crypto, and I've always been a collector, and I run an eBay business, like selling vintage collectibles, like buying collectibles and selling them. Mm -hmm. So I've always been interested in the collecting space, excuse me, and my buddy introduced me to crypto, and around that time, I really dove in deep, and I don't really recall where I found out about NFTs, but it was right around December of last year, Christmas time, and when I found out about them, I was like, all right, I love crypto. I'm already getting involved in it. I've been in for a couple months now, and I love collecting. So I was like, combining the two was really intriguing to me. So I dove deep more. And then like most people, my first was, you know, Top Shot. So I joined Top Shot around like December, January, and spent a few months there, like talking to the community, getting to know everyone. And from there, I guess, hmm, March or so, I, I started venturing into other NFTs. Like started op- like OpenSea and a MetaMask. It wasn't really till like February or March I started the OpenSea MetaMask journey. And like most people, come from Top Shot and just learning from there. So I'm fairly new, just like a lot of people. But maybe a year and a half into crypto and six seven months into the NFT space. Right on. So when you uh, you got into crypto, um, kind of in a a lull market. Um, what coins were you really invested in? What what kind of got you started into the crypto space? And tell me a little bit about the feeling of uh, 
it, it sounds like you were in right before or right after the pandemic kind of hit, and that was a tough time in the market. Yeah, you're exactly right. So basically, I started off like kind of noobish, you know, entry level. I just opened up a Robinhood account in like 2020, beginning of 2020, and I had bought a uh, Doge, ETH, and uh, Bitcoin. Not much at the time, like a thousand of each, and like a thousand dollars worth of each. And from there, I just kind of sat and I would check on it and stuff like that. And then my buddy would always tell me, you know, the, you know, not your keys, not your crypto, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then from there, that's when I came over to the other side and started messing with MetaMask. But, but yeah, the the pandemic did hit at that time, and eBay business, I couldn't go out anymore. I couldn't meet people. I couldn't go to swap meets. I couldn't go to flea markets. I couldn't connect with anyone or buy anyone out of their old supply and collectibles, which is a thing I do a lot. I go out and buy people's collectibles, fix them up, clean them up, and get get them back out to people who uh, wanted them and been searching. And basically, uh, from there, I got stuck because of the pandemic. So I was like, all right, what do I do from here? And that's what led me to the time to be able to research and have the time to look at all these YouTube videos, lead me to NFTs and stuff like that. So the pandemic kind of shifted me towards this uh, this path, honestly. Oh, I love it. That's so that's such an incredible story. I think a lot of people are similar when they have more time to sit down and research because it does consume you, especially after you start to do more research, understand the tech. You start off maybe uh, a lot of people get hyped up. I know so many people that start by buying Doge or um, some of these meme coins. They don't really understand the tech behind it. But once you start researching, like you said, it's like a rabbit hole and you got to keep digging and digging for the better coins, the, the things that aren't discovered, the good teams, the developers that are just going to change the world with some of this tech. So it's kind of cool to hear that story because in a similar way, I, I was a big investor into gold and silver um, in in the early, like late 2013, all the way to like 2017. And once I got into crypto, it was just like no more. I, I just was down the rabbit hole for good. And uh, I know the feeling of just like staying up endless nights, just like trying to research and figure out what's going to happen next, like what's out there, what projects do I need to start investing in. So it, it's, uh, it's cool to hear that story. When you finally kind of jumped in and started researching, um, did you find yourself starting to be able to like help educate others yeah so definitely it's funny because the buddy of mine who got me into crypto originally he had been in a bitcoin since around 2015 he had told me about it for a couple of years but i was pretty stubborn honestly at first when it came to it i'm sure i'm not the only one who's been stubborn it took me some time at least at that point in 2015 so a couple of years later i came around to it but it's funny because now i'm teaching him about nfts he brought me into crypto and now i'm able to show him about nfts he just set up his wallet and now I'm kind of showing him the rope. So it's full circle as far as that goes. Now, I haven't really brought it out to my YouTube channel yet because I'm kind of looking for a way to, like, show them the technology behind it. Because, you know, some people are still iffy on this stuff. And I don't really know how, like, my subscribers will react to it. So I haven't really educated them as far as it as that goes. But definitely full circle with my friends who got me into this, now teaching them about NFTs for sure. Oh, yeah. And I, I know it's inevitable for you to continue to uh, learn. And then at some point, you're, a lot of your videos on YouTube are tutorials, right? You're helping people understand new things. And I think I can just see you kind of helping walk people through how to set up a MetaMask, what decentralized wallets mean. So it's just so cool to see a content creator that was in 
to all kinds of different things, be able to kind of transition. And you're doing your due diligence right now. You're researching. You're kind of making sure that you understand the ropes before you try to help others because you don't want to lead anyone astray, which I also really respect because there is definitely some weight there of telling someone about something financial and then it it going wrong. So I, I, I respect that you wait, but I know it's inevitable because it's the future and people are going to need to continue to learn about this this tech. So I think it's so exciting. And I and you also kind of mentioned this, but NFTs are still the NFT and the crypto worlds uh, haven't intersected nearly um, like as much as they're going to. I still think it's crazy that I'm not even in the space a super long time, like 2017. Um, and and it still blows my mind that people that are that got into crypto uh, haven't really made the transition to NFTs. And there's a lot of money in crypto. And so when they start to transition, it's just going to continue to explode every everything. And it's, everyone knows it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just inevitable because as we continue to go more mainstream, first we're going to hit the crypto native people. And then, you know, you start to pull in more people from outside. But it, it's it's awesome to hear that journey for you. What, what started you um getting into like content creating well this actually all started in 2010 uh i'm third i just turned 31 recently so this started in 2010 i was around 2021 i started doing music and that's when i joined twitter yeah in october in 2010 i joined twitter and i started like promoting music and stuff like that i was just doing home stuff and from there i did music wound up like quitting uh work and doing music full-time for a few years had some success with that. And then that led me to doing voiceovers for online advertising campaigns on the internet. And that led me into YouTube. So it was kind of like a door opened a door, opened a door. And then the YouTube tech side kind of brought me over here with my friend mentioning it. So it kind of, like I said, was a 10 year door opening another door, opening another door. Cause if I'm not doing this before this, I was running my eBay business with my YouTube but while I was running YouTube intertwined with that, I was doing voiceover work for online commercials and stuff like that and just kind of advertisements and campaigns. I love it. I think there's a lot of people in this space that are starting to want want to like they may not be artists, so they can't create the NFTs, but they love what's happening and they want to create their own path. And so I'm curious if you have any suggestions for people that are like, how can I like what are the steps to become a good content creator, get people to listen? Um, And what I also would love to hear kind of I know at the beginning, like as you're building from zero, uh, it, it can become kind of like just so tedious and i'd love to hear kind of how you got through that how you continue to push and grind even when maybe you didn't have fifty thousand, maybe you only had 500 or a thousand and and what that what kind of drive it took to continue to grow your brand yeah so definitely like as far as advice it's hard too because i've been doing this 10 years now and i'm still myself seeking advice and learning every day and just taking it day by day and learning because no one really has a set plan that always works so you got to just first go out there and just try it you never know you can't be shy you can't be scared uh people are definitely going to judge at first whether you're like i said creating content you're running your own show you're creating art you're doing music whatever it may be but you guys got to get past that and try it because you just never know if you don't try so as far as like that goes advice wise i definitely suggest that Everyone just go for it. If you're thinking about making some project, don't worry about what anyone says. If you if you draw and you don't think you're the best, 
who cares? I've seen, we've all seen some stuff sell for crazy stuff that doesn't look like the best work in the world. Really just put yourself into it and just give it your all. And don't worry about what anyone, uh, anyone else thinks for sure. So as far as that goes, definitely just go for it. That's what I got to say about that. I love it. I think that's important. I think believing in yourself and like self-manifestation is a real thing. And so I think I kind of hear that in your answer, just like you have to believe in yourself. And uh, when others aren't paying attention, that's, that's got to keep you driven. Um, and another thing that I kind of heard you talk about um, is I, I, I'm curious about like how networking has helped you um, basically like who you know, you talked about a lot of doors opening. So tell me a little bit about like that networking um, in terms of your growth. Yeah, so basically, like I said, when, when the doors opening, it went from music and uh, different companies reached out and they wanted me to do the online advertising for them. And that led me to work with a bunch of companies behind the scenes. So I do work with like IP Vanish. Uh, I model for Hot Topic. I do voiceover work for HTC before I've done campaigns for sleep number beds and like online commercials for them. So I definitely have like connections as far as that, like with the business side of things and networking over the years, you just build a following right now. It's weird because my following came before NFTs. So now when I post, most of the people don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, that's the only thing I would say that's like different about this is I went from years just creating content as a YouTuber, a musician, and now I'm a gutter cat and I'm saying gang gang and I'm posting <laughs> all this stuff and they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Everyone's confused. So that's the only weird thing about it right now. But it definitely took years of networking and building up. But yeah, the funny thing is I'd probably say maybe a few thousand people that follow me are from the NFT space because I'm fairly new since uh, like December, January. And most of them are from my past. So mm -hmm. they don't know what the hell is going on. Well, you know, I, I see others that are like you that have um, got a bigger following, a few more people that are going to be on the show that have, you know, over 40, 50,000 followers, but they they really, all their followers are from previous networking, their previous, you know, um, content creating. And now they're doing a lot of content creating around, um, around NFTs or, you know, just sharing things. And so I'm curious, have you, uh, have you had anyone reach out to you that maybe didn't, have you had that opportunity to transition anyone that are like, what the hell are you, are you like tweeting about? Or has, has that opportunity yet to really come? Have you also seen like people leave? that are like uh, this this is not what I follow this guy for I'm out of here uh, <laughs> it, I'm just kind of curious like what kind of reaction you've gotten from it yeah so I definitely when I joined the NFT space I had 61,000 followers so even as I've gained thousands from this space I've actually lost about seven or eight thousand followers mm -hmm. but it's something that I don't mind because you know I'm gonna enjoy what I want to enjoy so it doesn't really matter if they're from my past anyways and they don't want to follow that. That's fine. I get that. But people definitely have reached out. But I've always been iffy on giving information because this space is like when you zig, it zags. Mm -hmm. And sometimes luck is involved with it as much as some people say there isn't. There's definitely luck. So I get iffy when the people have reached out. I definitely explain to them what it is, set them on the path. But as far as like, oh, what should I get? What should I get? I, I try to stay clear of that because 
I just don't want to be like that guy who tells someone to get something and they get wrecked, you know? Yeah. And I think another thing that's a, that, I mean, I think always encouraging people to do their own research is really important. Um, but I love, I, I think that it's awesome that you're continuing to be a light. Hopefully you continue to be able to help people, um, give them ideas like, where to look. Um, I'm sure you use rarity tools. It, it seems like you have a lot of awesome things. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're constantly learning like ways to uh, research NFTs. Um, I, where do you think NFTs are going? You're clearly passionate about it. You know, the you kind of see um, the stars, you know, lining up. Where do you think we'll be in, in a year or two? And do you think this journey of getting new followers and then the ones that you already have, do you, do you foresee yourself, um, starting to almost like fully get into content creating around NFTs and starting your own content creation in that way? Or do you, do you think it'll always be kind of a balance between what you used to do and what you're doing now? Yeah, so I'm definitely trying to balance it out. Like most people in this space, time is just, you know, so finicky right now. Because if you, I feel like if I walk away or do something else, I've missed out on some great opportunity. Yeah. And just like anyone else, I do have FOMO. You know, it's natural. So I do feel like when I go to work on something else, so it's been taking me away from my YouTube, actually, unfortunately. So I haven't put as much time as I used to. I was going from last year doing videos every day, then slowly like a few a week. Now I actually haven't even uploaded in like four weeks because I've just been so sidetracked with NFTs. I'm having fun. And plus no one can deny how lucrative, you know, it is if you're getting into the right things and you hold the right things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, everyone flips. I know not everyone likes flippers, but we all flip. So you're flipping a couple things. You're holding a couple things. And it's distracted me from my YouTube, but I do see a future where I definitely want to uh, introduce more people to the space. Some people, you know, there's still those people out there who don't believe in crypto itself. Mm-hmm. So then it's another level to then add the NFTs. So I'm trying to like show them in the future the tech behind it. Since I run a tech channel, focus more on the tech behind it in the future. And as far as like NFTs go in the future, I I see. A lot of gaming utility. Yes. I've spent years, uh, you know, you've checked out the channel. I've done a lot of uh, gaming content. I do PC gaming. And I've spent years and thousands of dollars on skins, cosmetics, different items that I'll just never get that money back. And I'm just thinking how lucrative it will be if you have a marketplace for these skins. And, you, you know, you have kids spending billions of years on Fortnite and FIFA. So... Imagine if you could take these skins when you're done playing it, you sell them on the marketplace, the company gets a little percentage, kind of like OpenSea does or eBay, and it's kind of a win-win-win. Mm-hmm. So I, I really see a gaming utility for sure. It's inevitable, right? Like, uh, I think the crazy thing to me is that we're constantly, we're always sitting back and we're trying to think what's going to happen next. But it, it's almost like you can't ever predict the next move because the the technology, people just continue to innovate and they find new ways to implement things. And so like, I would have never imagined paying thousands of dollars for a profile picture. But like, that's <laughs> the, the, like, a, like a year ago, that would have blown my mind. And now here we are, you know, spending way more than that. Um, 
and, and then holding on to something that that's worth like 20 grand. And it's like, nope, that's way too cheap for this. And so it's insane to think like we're in the space, we're constantly around it. So it's easy for us to see. But I, I agree with you with when you're trying to talk to someone that is a traditional investor, it's like they, it blows their brain. And, and until you kind of take that first dive, it's impossible to really understand what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like me already being a collector, like I already had the name Collector Kev years before NFTs even were a thing. It really helped me see already being a gamer, being a collector, being in the tech digital space. Not everyone is already in that. So I was already inching closer to that space where I could see it right away. When I, when I heard it, I didn't even question it. When I heard, when I heard of crypto a few years ago, I did. But when I heard NFTs, I didn't even question it. I right away felt, all right, this is going to be something. There's utility here. You can prove authentication of art. You can have skins and, and cosmetics that you can resell. Like this could literally change so many things in the tech tech space. Yeah. I, one thing that I absolutely love is that as a content creator, someone that's joined the space that has the opportunity to help others learn that you've decided to rep the gutter cat gang. I know you also have lots of other um, different NFTs. I'm curious why you chose the gutter cat gang because you know, Crazy Carl is a gutter cat as well. I love that you're branding <laughs> your uh, your YouTube, your Twitter around your cat. And I'd love to hear kind of what made you fall in love with the gutter cats and some uh, any other NFTs that you really um, see a, a lot of future in that you enjoy um, kind of interacting with. Yeah, so definitely like, like I said, years ago, I was a musician. I did I like rap music and different stuff like that. So, of course, that factor already played into it. You know, all the jokes and memes about the gutter cat mixtapes and the rap contests and stuff like that. And also, when I got in the space, I was really nervous about the way I look because uh, I got, like, tattoos and piercings and stuff like that. My hands are covered in tattoos. I got tattoos on the back of my neck and stuff like that. And I thought, like, people were going to judge me and stuff like that. And also, I'm from Jersey. So, I talk, like, a little bit different with a little bit of slang, uh, a little bit of foul mouth. And it's legal out here to smoke. So I smoke weed. And I'm like, man, do I fit into this space? Mm -hmm. And then the gutter cats, I was like, wait, these people are just like me. You know what I mean? They're good people, but doesn't mean you have to be clean cut, you know, suit and tie, you know, that kind of thing. I felt like, all right, these are people like me. They're good people, but they're, they're having fun. They're letting loose. They're not high strung. They're not worrying about everything, you know? I love it. Hey, and King Blackboard does a show with uh, Dr. Leo, and they do conversations from the gutter. I don't know if you've checked it out, but uh, now hearing that you have a little bit of rap history, I hope King Blackboard's listening right now so that we can maybe have another rap battle uh, with Spotty because we need someone to be able to really challenge him. Oh, yeah, I've seen Spotty's Cheetah Gang, right? Yeah, yep, Cheetah Gang. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I always love I love hearing uh, other musicians. I think musicians are going to really start flowing into the space. And I think it I think Spotty was just one of those 
those people that found the opportunity to really utilize um, the NFT crowd and really help build his own brand. And I think that's awesome. I think that's really important. I mean, he even attaches a lot of what he does to his avatar, the spotty character. And so I think, um, I mean, do you see a, a future where people are able to really kind of brand their profile picture in a way where people kind of recognize them and what they do just based on the, the way they look in their their ape or their gutter cat or whatever it might be oh yeah definitely if they do it like how he does it you know right away when you see him you know who it is because he really he's loud about it you know mm-hmm. he had, and then he and i think what he did with the uh, nft albums he came out with right he had one with like art chick one with the golden ape and it was like three different tiers of the nft album he came out with i thought that was a really good idea and stuff like that is how you definitely set a brand for yourself. If you just have your profile picture and you're not really loud, you know, it can get lost in the space for sure. But someone like him, he's doing it right for sure. He's absolutely doing it right. And people who can come into the space and you utilize that NFT thing. Like I know Tory Lanez, I think he just dropped the NFT album and mm. it did pretty well. So there's definitely room for music in the space and not really people making music, but creating art wise. Tools of Rock that just came out was really awesome. Mm-hmm. I love the art on that stuff. And again, music-wise, really cool stuff going on in the space. Do you ever see yourself minting um, your own album or music NFTs? Have you thought about how can I create or build in this space beyond just content creation? Oh, I definitely thought about it. See, like when I started in 2010, I did music for about five years. I had my DJ, Louis Styles. At the same time, he was the DJ of... Fetty Wap, we were both from New Jersey. I'd been on the FM radio. I've been on a couple magazines and some interviews and done some cool things. But at the time, there was no TikTok and Mm -hmm. no NFTs or anything like that. And I definitely look back, because it's been a few years since I've done music, and I definitely look back and say, like, wow, things probably would have been different if I had these tools. Like, I would have done a couple different things. You know what I mean? Not that it wasn't uh, uh, a success, because I chose to go through another door. It's not like I... I never even really quit. I just kept going through other doors. But there's tools now like the NFTs and TikTok and all this stuff that you can really make some noise with that kind of stuff. I love I love how you keep talking about making noise. I think that's so important whenever you're really trying to create a brand or if you are an artist or it's like how do you how do you get people to notice you? How do you get people to see what you're doing? Do you have any things that you've learned in all the years that you've been doing content creation of like something that you know, really sticks. Even for someone like me, I'm learning kind of about content creation. I love any sort of something that maybe you've learned over the years, how to really get people to notice you. Um, like what does, what does creating noise really mean? Yeah, definitely. So like I try to do it the opposite way. Some people in the space do, I try to be more friendly to everyone, respond to everyone, you know, have fun, of course, hit everyone with the let's go, prayer hands, all that. Just hype up people and support people. And I really don't like to use the um, drama situation where you just tweet something to, like, engage, you know, get people to engage or tweet something controversial or just be a, a, a dickhead. You know, I don't really like that when people do that in this space. The flexing thing is fun. Like, if you do it in, like, a, you know, uh, WWF Shawn Michaels heartbreak kid style where you're just you're finessing, you're having fun, you're flexing. 
but when, it's another thing when people are like really rude to people in this space. So I try to like make noise by being supportive of everyone by tweeting out some stuff that's, you know, we're all going to make it not trying to constantly put people down, which happens a lot in this space. And it's really kind of weird. I agree. I think that's, uh, that's some really good advice. I think the people that there's some weird, um, like some really big NFT influencers that got their name more from shit posting than anything else. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to see in a year from now where content creation goes. I think there's also a lot of people that are super positive. That's kind of the route I also like to take. And someone like Gary V, um, you know, who created V friends also really took that route of like, just being on Twitter all the time, helping, making sure he responded to people that were posting about him. Um, and I think that is, that's kind of the, uh, it's good affirmation hearing that because that's kind of the route I've been trying to take, just always making sure to interact and not make anyone think that you're above them. Because at the end of the day, like without your supporters, you're not really anything. So you need them to have that success. If you ever forget that or get a big head, then you just, people, people can start to see through you. Exactly. And I know right now, if I want a bunch of engagement right now, I can just tweet something controversial, but it's a cop out. You know, what's the point, you know, get engagement the right way. I don't need hundreds of retweets and likes if it's going to be through something negative. And I know that, and most people know if they go ahead and tweet something negative about one person's collection or this or this, they're going to get engagement. It's an easy cop out. So I don't know why people just don't go the other way and build organically, like getting 10,000, 15,000 followers through, you know, shit posting and spreading FUD constantly. I don't know. It's not that great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I love that philosophy and to see that you've had so much success and uh, just grinding it out, doing it the right way is awesome, too. So I appreciate you sharing that. All right, we're going to ask a couple more questions, then we're going to get into the community corner. So if you have any, if you um, would hit that request button and come up, maybe you can um, talk with Kev D as well. Maybe you had a question or you just had something that you'd like to share with him. I really would love to have some some of the community, especially the gutter cat community, if you've never um, had a chance to chat with Kev, come on up. Um, so start hitting those request buttons and I'll bring some people up here in just a minute. But, uh, one question I did have Kev is, is, uh, when you are researching something like if you like, let's say you decide to get in the gutter cats, number one, um, did you, what did you do kind of as your due diligence before just like, oh, I like the avatar. Um, what, what kind of research do you do around NFTs before deciding to jump in on one? And then also like, what tools do you use if you could kind of share with people your process so that they can kind of learn, um, the way that you go about it and maybe they can learn maybe a trick that they didn't have before. Yeah, definitely. Well, Of course, like most people, I do use like Rarity Sniper and stuff like that. And I'm in a Discord group called Squanchland, and they're really great people. I don't know if any of you guys know Wades, Wades East, really cool from the Top Shop community. He brought me in. There's really great people in that community, and we talk in there, and we share projects and discuss with each other, like, you know, what they got going on here and what's going on there, and kind of just get like a gut feeling of, because when something comes out, there's only so much research you can go on when they're just saying, hey, this is coming out next week or so-and-so. You only got so much to go on. It's not like you can pull up graphs and charts and data for a brand new collection. So definitely it's like half gut feeling and half just being with the community and getting an overall feel 
of what the community uh, likes about this project or doesn't like. It's not too hard to see whether the community likes or dislikes some. It's pretty fast, and it happens pretty fast, whether the FUD's out or people are liking them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's funny, too, because the uh, the gutter cats, as you know, went through a lot of FUD, but the oh, community yeah. was way stronger than the FUD, and that's why they were so successful. So I love that you mentioned the importance of kind of checking out the community, seeing the presence that they have, because at the end of the day, any sort of avatar uh, NFT project, the community makes or breaks you. If you don't have strong hands, if you don't have real believers, then it breaks everything. And you're starting to see that with some um, projects that really pump hard out of the gate and then they just die because they, they're they made up of a bunch of flippers or whales buying up a bunch of supply and then lo- letting them go. And so it's, it's interesting to see kind of the dynamic that happens um, in some of these NFT projects because there's a few that just really do amazing. And, and then the influencers, NFT influencers are like, why are the gutter cats still around? But then you check out their Discord, you check out the Twitter and how active everyone is. They don't change their profile picture to the next best, best thing every you know week. And that's what really drew me to the gutter cat games like wow these people are they're like they believe they're not changing their avatar they for some reason the floor's not going down even though everyone's talking shit on them and so i i think that's right i think when you're especially when it comes to avatar projects that community aspect is everything oh yeah and beyond that too you know just like most people say that three thousand men was really attractive as well like being only three thousand it also keeps it a little more uh together mm-hmm. you know you can have of course every group has some bad apples and stuff like that that may not really best intertwine with the whole vibe of the one community because some people may have different opinions but when it's like 3,000 versus 10 or 15 or 20 whatever it may be it's a more tight-knit and more community feel for sure yeah i mean even looking in the live twitter spaces right now you know over half of the people in here are gutter cats and so this also goes to <laughs> show it. you you know like the the people that are your ride or die, the people that support the community, they, they're they there through and through. And also the apes. I mean, there's a lot of apes now. Um, I used to be a board ape as well. Do you have any board apes, Kev? No, I don't. Like the day they minted, I think I was out. I wasn't locked in. I made a mistake. I wasn't locked in. And I watched them at point two and point three and point four. Why I didn't buy in, I'm not sure. I really don't know or have a great answer for that. But unfortunately, I missed that boat. But yeah, congrats to them for sure. I mean, what they're doing is just insane. It's insane. I think they're they're the OG, you know, punk uh, challenger. And they're successful. They're so successful now being in Christie's. Their floors, I think, almost 40 Ethereum. It's just insane being able to... I mean, I was in there, um, I think when... When they um, flipped the Mebits, uh, that was months ago. It seems like forever ago. But that's right. when I was like, wow, like this is a. Before that, I got burned by some of these like people that were just trying to pump on bonding curves, like these projects. And I was like, I was very hesitant joining. And after the Board Ape community was kind of that first community that was like, you know what? Like, we don't care what other people are saying. Uh, we're just going to continue to do our thing. And now they're like, now they're the top dogs that people talk about, but that wasn't always that way. And a lot of the people that were in that community started with, you know, less than one Ethereum. And now to see the 
the amount of gains that they were able to continue to get and the ones that really hold like the board apes that are in here that are still holding and they're like i'm not selling because then i won't be able to get one back it's just so awesome to see like that's what a community really is that's how you drive value and so i think that's a really key uh, success factor, even when it comes to the punks, you know, the people that they don't have 50%, but the people that hold on to punks, the, the, those are more crypto native people. They don't need to sell their strong hands. That's important. That's what makes that community so strong is they don't get rid of it for a price that they don't think is right. And so you have to find, I mean, we're like the, you know, we are the stockholders of these projects. And uh, if you have weak hands when it comes to a stock, the same thing happens. Everyone dumps at the same time and there's no difference. But you're right, like the volatility is so crazy when you have these low mints. There's no stock on the planet where you only have 10,000 shares, 3,000 shares. So that shows how far we can drive up to even get to 1 billion valuation, how far you have to go up per share, per NFT is insane and i think that's something that people don't really see um that they they don't understand why it goes up so much but there's a limited supply and there's a lot of millionaires in this world that haven't even found the space yeah exactly and one thing i love too is that you mentioned a lot of people started with under an eth or so and that's i want success for everyone no matter what if you have a bunch of money or millionaire don't but of course my favorite success stories are always the people who got in here with a couple things I've heard of people even starting their whole thing just from giveaways. The people who started from the bottom and really tried even when they didn't have the money, I really love those stories. Those are always the best. Yeah, and it seems, I mean, it's insane to think, you know, this uh, project, the Bored Apes are a good example. They launched in May. You know, I was a school teacher, so school was just ending, getting ready to end. And, you know, if if you would have bought a Bored Ape then for $1,000 and now, and just held on to it for three months, now you, that thousand has over a hundred times more than that. Uh, now you, you know, you could literally, it's life-changing. And, and every Everyone talks about crypto. I mean, I'm going to go back to being crypto native. The power of of being able to be in a space before other people start getting in, before you have um, traditional investors that have all the money, before institutions that have the billions of dollars, we have an opportunity that no other time in history that I can think of where as a residential, uh, uh, as someone that's just a retail buyer can get in before the big dogs. It blows your mind. And we're just getting started. Yeah, exactly. And we just seen that, you know, Arizona Ice T coming in with the board ape. We just saw Visa acquire their CryptoPunk and also solidify that it's a historic moment by putting it in the museum or in their vault, per se, of historic moments in commerce. Yeah. And and you just think there's thousands of companies out there. There's also, you see like football players or rap, like professional uh, musicians, people that have a lot of money. I mean, there's more than 3,000. There's more than 10,000 athletes in this world. Exactly. There's not enough for everyone. And so that supply and demand of the everyone says the blue chip projects, they're not going away. And so you have to 
there is a lot of luck that, like you said, you have to do your research. You have to make sure that you you really believe and have the conviction um, to get behind a project. But then when you do, and and then they're successful, it's just so cool to see the success stories. But then there's also a lot of failures. Is there any has there any been um, a story that you can share of like an NFT you bought and it just you know went to nothing and you lost everything mm. and kind of that feeling and how you overcome that because I I, I mean I love talking about the success, but those stories are very prevalent too, you know, people losing money. And so how do you kind of get around that? Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple things I bought where I didn't get the full value back. My biggest mistakes were probably not holding certain things because it's so hard to pick and choose. There's certain things you can hold in this space that will probably go to zero because like you said, they're not the blue chip. They're not the, they don't have the team behind it and the action behind it. But my biggest losses were always just not holding like, the day gutter cats came out, I had minted 10. One of them being the golden tattooed gutter cat with the visor uh, and the bandana with the oh, bones. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 196 rare or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like over the couple of weeks, I had sold some of them. And I think I had sold nine gutter cats plus a gold one for a total of 4.55 ETH. Which yeah. is like, and at the time, that's huge, right? Awesome. You're so stoked. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a win. Looking back, obviously not so much. Uh, recently, a couple of months ago, I had sold my curio cards for like 0.1, 0.2. Oh. Now they're the Christie's. Yeah. So it, my biggest losses were probably not holding certain things, but it's so it's easy to look in hindsight and say, oh, I should have done this. But how do you know? Exactly. And there's certain things that I get worried about holding because not every project can be successful forever. So I get worried of certain things like maybe I shouldn't hold this, maybe I shouldn't hold that. So my biggest losses come from leaving money on the table by not holding. But it's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah, I, I also have a lot of um, projects that I've invested in that have gone to, to, to nothing. Um, and I think that's one one thing that you learn from that as well is like, if you, you, the only person you can blame or put any sort of weight on is yourself. And even when you sell and buy something different, you put that weight on yourself and you just continue to ask, okay, like, how can I learn from that? Right? Like, how do I learn? Did I really, did I lose conviction around this project? And if the answer is yes, maybe I should have sold it before it went to zero. And if the answer is no, then like, if you still have conviction, then why aren't you still holding on? Like, why did I sell that if I have conviction about it? Yeah, exactly. And I think too, like mentally, a lot of people, some people may not be as mentally prepared to handle that kind of stuff. knowing how they, They lost on the table. And that's one thing that people do definitely need to get down is like, not look back on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't harp on it. Just go for a walk. Enjoy the wind you do have. And keep it moving. There will be more opportunities because I have seen some people get really upset about it. And I, I legitimately, I kid you not, have probably left a million dollars on the table this year. Mm-hmm. But that's something you can't harp on. Like no. I can't lose sleep at night about that. I can't think about that. There will be more opportunities. So definitely mentally, people got to make sure that they just don't focus on that loss because it's not really a loss. You just left money on the table. You still had a win from that original investment. I love that you said that because it's so important to rem- to kind of uh, recognize that we are humans and we ha- are emotional beings and investing is I've had poker players that are on the show that Zeneca um, was a poker player before he started doing crypto. Uh, this poker poker players are very good about trying to balance that emotion 
investors that are seasoned investors are very good about controlling that emotion. Everyday people like like us that don't have years and years and years of going through the learning curves, it's a little harder. And so I agree with you 100%. Now that I've been investing for over 10 years, it's a little easier for me to take that step back. But it's also really hard. I have still friends and family that are like, why didn't I sell that when it went up? It's like, well, if you have conviction, like, is it still going to go up? Like if you, you just really have to know what you're buying. And at the end of the day, like if you're just buying something because someone else told you, or you think you just have a feeling about it, or you FOMO or you ape, and there's not really any underlying thing behind it. Those are always the times I lose the most. Like I always look back, I'm like, why the hell did I buy that? Like, why didn't I just like, (laughs) yeah, it was like, why did I do that? Like, I just did that because I was listening to other people and I didn't really take time and learn for myself. And I wouldn't have probably bought it if that wasn't the case. I also, a lot of people have got scammed in the space. Same thing. Like there's always that sense of urgency in scams that I got sucked into a couple times and lost several ETH from. And it's just such a good learning opportunity. But, um, you know, the, the goal of a show like this is to try and help people, prevent them from doing that. But at the end of the day, I think it is the best learning opportunity. Until you have some of those moments, it doesn't really resonate. You know, you we all have to go through those those like, why the hell did I do that moments to really become better investors. Yeah, exactly. And it also depends to how the person, like how their life is and how they grew up. I know not everyone is the same. I grew up like barely touching middle class sometimes in my life, you know, with my family. So it's just like I've had those moments in my life where we've had no money and had nothing like that. So I'm also like in a mental state where any large amount of money is a blessing to me. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't look at I bought something for $200 and I sold for 2000 and someone now sold it for 100000 I'm going to still just be happy that I got whatever from it because I come from a space and time in my life where we didn't have everything. You know, I wasn't dirt poor. We had some stuff, but we definitely weren't living the greatest. So I'm just thankful for the wins that I do have. So it, that helps me mentally as well. I oh, wasn't yeah. born with a lot of money. So getting money is just makes me happy, period. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. It's insane. Just the people that are in this room, I think we all have that same story, as, as especially in terms of NFTs. Like, like the little wins that we have, like a even a year or two years ago, like those things aren't weren't around. We wouldn't have even had this opportunity. And so, yeah, like you said, like leaving a million dollars on the table if you would have made every move right, it's like you can't dwell on that because it's not realistic. There, no one's gonna make every right move. It's impossible. We're not perfect beings. And so, even the million, the multi-million dollar uh, investors that are in the space, they have their own losses. They have their own mistakes that they've made. Maybe they don't talk. About about as much but I love that we're kind of talking about that and talking about like focusing on the wins focusing on what you did well instead of focusing on the areas that you you know you you should obviously learn from them and try to you know get a grasp on what you can do better but use them as learning opportunities and don't let it just consume you because I can I can tell you firsthand I have several people that I know that got into crypto in 2017 and 18 looking back those prices were very very low and but because they didn't really have conviction because they didn't appreciate the wins that they had at the moment that now they just are like, I don't believe in crypto instead of trying to learn more. And so it's always like, 
always have passion about what you do. If you like NFTs, if you're getting into them, spend time researching. Don't, if you lose something, don't give up. And when you win, like really appreciate those wins. And I think that's some really good advice. Yeah, I really love that. Exactly. I feel the same way. You just got to focus on the wins. Honestly, that's really it. All right, Kev, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been so much fun getting to know you better and your your story. If you have any questions for Kev, hit that request button. We'll come bring you up. Maybe we can have a couple people ask Kev some questions for Community Corner. I'll, I'm going to also see if anyone posted any questions on our tweet here. Uh, awesome. And if we don't have any questions for Community Corner, if we covered everything, we'll start to wrap up the show. Let me double check, though, um, and see if we have any questions here. We must be really good uh, d- at doing our job today. We're, we don't have as many people requesting <laughs> to come up. We gave everyone all the info. All the what, info, right? They now, have to call it alpha, right? Give them all the alpha. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that you said that because this show is definitely not the alpha show, right? Like this is not the show where you come and chill and we talk about the next thing to mint. The whole goal of this show is just to learn about uh, our journeys in the space because um, I think that's the one thing missing in, the sh- in a lot of shows and spaces is like we do get hyped up on certain projects, but it's always good to take a step back and just appreciate where you've been, the journey, how we got here. And so that's a lot more about how this show works. And so it's a lot of other spaces. You have like 10 people on stage just shooting the shit, talking. But this show is a little different. It's The goal is really to help understand the journey because I, ho- I hope that this podcast eventually reaches a lot more people where they're able to listen and learn from all of our journeys that we've collectively had, you know, from millionaire investors that have been on the show to Major League Baseball players to NFT artists to YouTube content creators. There's so many different types of people that are in the space, and I think the power of that is very important for people that continue to listen to these shows to realize, like, we all kind of intersect uh, in in the crypto world together. And it's like we're forging our path forward and we're all in this together. Exactly. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me. It's been a blast. I can't thank you enough. And I really love this podcast. And I don't doubt in my mind that you're going to definitely reach more people because the way you do everything, it's structured perfectly. And it's just a breeze. It's a flow. I love it. Thanks a lot, Kev. Well, I'm excited. We're going to do an outro to end the show. Um, I hope you enjoy this uh, this new Gutter Cat Gang outro that we have. Here it comes. This has been another production of Gutter Cat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody, really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.